Hey, and welcome to the 12 Stone Church Podcast. Thank you so much for taking time to be a part of today's message. We hope it inspires you, encourages you, and deepens your faith in Jesus. Enjoy the message. Twelve Stone, what a great day to be together. I've already heard a little bring it up here. We'll get to that. Let me just do the broad welcomes, and then we'll, we'll have to do the bring it, apparently. So I'm okay with that. I, I, I'm ready for that. So welcome if you're spiritually unresolved. Listen, we have a conversation today that is awakening. Glad you're here. Listen in. If you're new to the faith, hope you're encouraged by today. You matter so much to God part of the church family, and you've been walking with the Lord, welcome, whether it's in person, online community, 12-stone home. Man, God wants you to know how much he loves you. I love you. I've been praying for this series. So welcome to the summer. Now, somebody just yelled a moment ago, bring it, which is kind of like, are you ready? So I guess I'm going to have to do it. So on the count of three, just everybody, wherever you are, say, bring it, and then we're going to jump in. Ready? One, two, three. Bring it! All right, let's go. We got a question. Let's get to the questions. The question really for the series. And the question is, where is our world headed? This is for the next three weeks. Where is our world headed? Because these are uncertain times. What kind of times? Uncertain. Well, yeah, they're, they're, they're uncertain times. And then... 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, God was instructing us of certain things in uncertain times. Just letting us know that you got to know how to read the times and the seasons. Giving us insight in end times. On Jesus coming back. So he's unpacking for us that there are some things that um, how do you say, remain certain in uncertain times? And yes, we, we live in uncertain times. So I just kind of scripted a few examples of, of things that are uncertain. Let's just, you know, you can come up with lots more, and whether you agree with these or not isn't the point. It's just, we're just aware that things are uncertain. So I'll illustrate. Will there be a financial recession in 2023 or 2024? It's uncertain. Is the moral compass of our country permanently broke? Well, that's uncertain. Will there be a major move of God, like a spiritual revival? Well, that's uncertain. What's the future of education in America? Uncertain. How dangerous is the, the polarizing political climate that we're in to our future? Uncertain. What's AI, artificial intelligence, really going to do for us or to us in the next five or 50 years? Well, it's uncertain. Is the Russian war in Ukraine a forerunner to more wars, a forerunner to China attacking Taiwan. Is it a forerunner to World War III? Well, it's uncertain. You know, the culture keeps using our vocabulary, but changing the dictionary. So for how long can you change the meaning of things like a marriage or family or parenting or gender and the like and still have a, a stable, healthy culture without just having the Jenga blocks crash down? It's uncertain. And so I'm like, well, who cares? I mean, does it really matter? Because if there is no God and there is no soul and there is no life after and there is no resurrection from the dead, if there really is no good or evil, there's no, no truth or lie. 
I mean, if nothing happens after this anyway, as 1 Corinthians 15 says, eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow you die. I mean, who cares? Doesn't even matter. To just live like pirates, live the pirate code. That's why they gave us the movie Pirates of the Caribbean, so that we would have a, a code and we could be pirates. And if you don't know what it is, here's seven seconds just because I felt like it. I can just do what I want. Take what you can. Give nothing back. That's it. Take what you can. Give nothing back. Tell your neighbor right now. Take what you can. And then the other respond. Give nothing back. Go ahead. Take what you can. Give nothing back. Because nothing matters. We don't know how it all ends. You just die and it's over. You just move on. Who cares? Pirate's code. Live for yourself. Doesn't matter how you live. Because there's no accountability. There's no heaven to cheer, no hell to fear. But then Jesus comes along and says, ah, but there is a God. There is a creator. You didn't make yourself. You have a soul. You'll live forever. You matter to God. There is good. There is evil. There is truth. There are lies. There is a moral compass. There is a healthy way to live. There is a design to all this. There is a heaven to cheer. There is a hell to fear. There is a resurrection of the dead. And so when 1 Corinthians steps into that, he says, yeah, there's, there's uncertain times, but some things are certain. So discern the times. Know that there are things that are uncertain, but then live for certain things. Live for the things that are certain. So where is our world headed? It's a great question. For the next three weeks, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the times, the end times, and the book of Revelation all in three weeks. <laughs> yeah, we can wrap that up. What takes decades to study, we're going to cram and shrink and summarize in just three weeks. It's going to be fun. You ready? I, I'm ready. Bring it, right? What? Bring it. Okay. Let's, let's bring it. And by the way, let me just pause. I, I don't often pa pause in a message and say, man, I got a word from God for you. I think I do. One for each generation and three generations. For 50 and over, for 30s and 40s, for 29 and under. And we'll wrap with that today, but let me, let me set it up. Where is our world headed. So Jesus returns week one, tribulation week two, heaven week three. I reserved heaven for Father's Day, okay, Dad? Just, just make it all about us by the time we get to the end. And we're going to bother to give an overview. In fact, I'm going to put on the screen like a, a diagram that walks us through those major events. We're going to, how do you read the times which are uncertain? But then more importantly, how do you know what is certain? And what has God told us? And what can we count on? And even if we don't know the dates, do we know just enough of the direction that we can have a macro 
overview. And we always like to get in the micro, but it's really helpful to get the macro. So get your phones out wherever you are, across the campuses, online, 12 Stone Home. Snap a picture because you won't remember it. Although we will cover this every week for the next three weeks, and we will detail it as we move along. So let me give you an overview. The line, the main line across is like a timeline that kind of shoots back from eternity past. And at some point, God created us and we have the whole of the Old Testament and we have the prophecies to Christ. But where we're really going to start this conversation is in the coming of Christ. Jesus gives his life on the cross. He rises from the dead. So he conquers sin and death. That's the big deal. Then he sends the Holy Spirit and it's the inauguration, the launch of the church, the what everybody church. So here we are, and we're still in the era of the church. It's been a couple thousand years. It's coming to an event, which we would call the rapture. It's in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. We'll, we would call it the rapture. We'll talk a little bit about that, kind of detail it. And then we get into the tribulation. Now, I'm going to pause for a moment. I'm going to tell you that this comes from the book of Revelation. But there is prophecy from the book of Daniel in the Old Testament that comes into play. There's, there's, there's teachings from Christ in Matthew 24 and 25. There's, there's snippets in 1 Thessalonians 4 and 1 Thessalonians 5. There's a major segment in 2 Peter chapter 3. Then there's the whole of the book of Revelation, which is filled with symbolism and, and interpretation of complexity stuff. I get it. And yes, you take spend decades in this, but I'm going to give you this kind of walk through Revelation. See, Revelation chapter one begins with Jesus, only he's not the infant Jesus. He's the infinite Jesus. You experience, oh my, when he shows up, he shows up as the God he always has been. He's pretty manageable as an infant. He's not manageable as the infinite. Revelation chapter 1, when you see him, you will fall before him as though dead. That's what John did. Chapters 2 and 3 of Revelation summarize the church, and it's really our calling that we would be holy as he is holy. Live out what we believe. If you say you believe as the church, then live like you believe, and that's really to all of us. We're in the time of the church. If you're a follower of Christ, literally chapter 2 and chapter 3 of Revelation is like, live like you believe this. It's our calling. It points to the rapture, although the rapture is not described in the book of Revelation. We find that in places like 1 Thessalonians 4. Chapters 4 and 5 of Revelation describe the throne, the greatness of Almighty God. And it paints a picture of who Jesus is and what's coming. And chapters 6 through 18 is the tribulation. The what, everybody? Tribulation. Fun times. That's all sarcasm. Horrible times, great tribulation, great difficulty, seven years. In fact, around Revelation 13, you get this description of, of Satan moving across the earth and God allowing a certain amount of freedom and, and the Antichrist that rises up and a one world government and, and this union of all finances across the earth and this, this probably this chip that allows you to exchange economics and buy food and, and the number 666 and, and, and you can only trade food. You're like, you're only going to get to eat if, if you buy into this one world government and all this bizarre, interesting stuff stuff that happens in the tribulation, which is really the systematic suffering in the world while Satan rises up, and then comes the second coming of Christ. 
See, Jesus came the first time back here, but he's going to come again. And then there's going to be a war and he's going to take his place. So Jesus coming again in the war is in chapter 19 of the book of Revelation. You get into chapter 20 and you get into the millennial reign of Christ. So Jesus conquers. He has the thousand year reign. Some believe it's a literal thousand years. Some it's symbolic. It's just a season of rain on the earth and Satan is chained. And for reasons unknown to us at the end of the millennial reign, Satan gets one last shot. And then comes the final war, the war of Gog and Magog. And then at the end of chapter 20 of Revelation, we all stand before the throne, the great white throne. And those whose names were written in the Lamb's book of life, who trusted Jesus for the forgiveness of sin, truly followed him, go to the new heaven and new earth. And those who said, there is no God, God, leave me alone. They join Satan and the demons in the lake of fire. God doesn't cast anyone into hell. You, me, we would have chosen it. This is the overview of the book of Revelation. The end times. And in a world of so much that's uncertain, this is what's certain. Now, we're going to camp a little bit on the rapture. Let me pause and talk about, uh, shall I, the last days. They give you a biblical language. I think it's in 1 Timothy chapter 3 that we want to hit this. That These are the last days. And Timothy uses that. Remember that there will be difficult times in the last days. Like things are going to get tough. People will be selfish. Hey, they'll live by a pirate's code. <laughs> they'll say, take what you can and give nothing back. Live for yourself. Be about yourself. There is no God. Doesn't really matter. Be absorbed. Indulge yourself. They will hate the good, which means they'll just redefine every good thing. And then they'll make that redefinition sound good. They will love pleasure rather than God. When it describes the last days, let's go back to the diagram. When they say the last days in the New Testament, what days are they referring to? They're referring to between the first time Jesus came and the second coming of Jesus. So the last days have been since Jesus came first and when he comes back. All of this is the last days. We are in the last days. We've been in the last days. You're like, well, how long do the last days last? I have no idea. He didn't tell us how long. It's uncertain to us, but it's certain to him. And don't confuse this. Just because it's uncertain for you doesn't mean it's uncertain for sovereign God. It's already certain. And some things he's told us for certain. So we come to the rapture. There's lots of conversation about the rapture, the, the, the end times, and the rapture for the church. Let's go to 1 Thessalonians, and let's walk through this scripture where we got this idea of the rapture. Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed. In other words, we don't want you to be ignorant. Don't live your life as if you're unaware. Don't, don't, don't live, listen, don't live in the present times without an awareness of the end times. Hear me again. Don't live in the present times with all its uncertainty without an awareness of the end times with all its certainty. See, you live in uncertain times by the things that are certain. Make sure your life adjusts in the present day according to what's true 
at the end of days. Because that's what paints your life and gives you clarity to how you live today. So I don't want you to be uninformed. Now, they were concerned. They wanted to know what happens to the people we love who have died and even been followers of Jesus Christ. Well, I don't want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. Pause. The rest of mankind who has no what? No hope. No what? Hope. They have no hope? Right. Without Jesus, you have no hope at the end. But you who know Jesus and have Jesus, which is his, his invitation to all. Oh, he loves us. It is not the heart of God that we would spend eternity without him. There's no joy in that for God. He sent his son that we would be restored to him. But if you reject Jesus, you have no hope. Now, those of us who receive him. We have hope, so we don't grieve like everybody else on earth. For we believe, we believe, say that with me, everybody. We believe, like across the campuses, here in the room, with passion and clarity, wherever you're listening in, in person, I want you to say, we believe loud and proud. You ready? We believe. See, this sets us apart. We don't just walk around the earth in uncertain times like, oh, what's going on? No, 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 we have a belief. We, we've settled some things. We believe that Jesus died and rose again. And at which point everybody should begin to celebrate because he died and rose again. When we die, we rise again to new life, new heaven, new earth. All awesome. Thanks be to God. So that's a celebration. So we believe that Jesus died and rose again. And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. In other words, death is not the finish line. It's a new start line. <laughs> According to the Lord's word. In other words, Jesus was teaching this. That we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven. Ah, here we get to the rapture. He will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Those who are followers of Christ who have died before this moment of the rapture or the coming of Christ. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up. That's where the term raptured in the Greek, the caught up will be raptured together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Yay, God. Wow. How good is that? Now, let's go back to the diagram because, of course, you're enjoying this, this seminary experience of, okay, how does this work? How does this all come together? Well, this is referring to the moment of the rapture. Now, the rapture means you are caught up. So what we believe from this scripture is that there will be a moment in time, a time we do not know. Second Peter three talks about it and says, you don't know what day it is. It'll feel like a thief in the night. And don't pretend like, oh, it's been so long. He's probably not coming because everything goes on as it always has. No, that's how they thought back at the time of Noah and the flood. Listen, you'll be going about normal life and then God declares it and you will be raptured. And others will be left behind. That's where you get that whole left behind series and everything that was popular in the past decades. That means those who are true followers of Christ are caught up with him. Those who are not, even if you claim to be, but were not, you're left behind. Hence bumper stickers that were popular 
three and four decades ago were something like this. In case of rapture, this car will swerve as my mother-in-law takes the wheel. <laughs> or as I've told Jason recently, if the rapture happens, he can have my office. <laughs> Help your neighbor. So the rapture happens and brings an end to the church. And we go be with the Lord and then the tribulation. Now, let me pause for a moment. Is that absolute? Am I absolutely 100% convinced, hang on, that there is a rapture that precedes the tribulation and then the second coming of Christ? Am I absolutely positive that it happens in that sequence? No. I'm certain it happens, but I don't know in what sequence. I don't know. I'm not willing to bet my life of absolute certain that there is a rapture that precedes the second coming of Christ. But I think the biblical evidence leans toward that. And I like the idea. It, since what I believe doesn't really change anything, just changes me, I like the rapture before everything goes ugly. I think that's fantastic. You might be what's called pre, the rapture before the tribulation, pre-trib, mid-trib, okay, get it. I don't know for certain, and I don't think anybody does, if in fact, when Scripture is teaching about the rapture and the second coming of Christ, if in fact the rapture and the second coming of Christ are synonymous. And that it's all referring to one event, which is the second coming of Christ. But do not be confused. Those little details of uncertainty are not the same as the absolute certainty that Jesus is coming back. Amen? He's coming back. And you need to know, he came here to save us, and he's going to come back here. And he came first as an infant to give his life and seek and save the lost. But he's coming back, and when he does, he's the infinite. And all this casual with Jesus as if we evaluate him and define him, mm, he's almighty God. There is a God. There is a heavenly Father who loves us, a Lord Jesus who will redeem us, a Holy Spirit who indwells us. There is good. There is evil. You do have a soul. You will live forever. You matter to God. But there is a heaven to cheer and a hell to fear. There is accountability for the way we lived. And all of this will culminate at the end of times. Make no mistake, in all the uncertainty of this world, what is certain is that Jesus will come back. And since that is true, how do we live? Well, we believe. First Thessalonians 4, 14, we believe. And because we believe everything I just said, it changes how you live. So let's talk about that. How does it change? Because each week I'm going to pick up a piece of this and we're just going to walk through. All right, if this is true and this is certain and this is what he's teaching us about the end times, 
then how do we live? And let me give you a couple of thoughts. Jot it down, snap a picture of it. Let me just, the first is live fearless in uncertain times and live forward for certain things. I just, a couple of thoughts that sit in me. Let me see if they're helpful for you. Again, snap a picture if that's how you take notes. Jot it down, put it in your phone, write it down. Live fearless, live what everybody? Fearless. Live fearless in uncertain times. And then live forward for certain things, for the things that are certain, you live for those things. So let's talk a little bit about it. See if, the, see if God can be as helpful to all of us as it, is, as it is in my own soul. Live fearless in uncertain times. Over the past year, I've been listening to a guy, um, Fred Markert, who is a, a missionary, a former atheist, um, a Marxist, uh, lived in Berlin did train for Marxism. He eventually became a follower of Christ, now a missionary to the 1040 window, uh, kind of what they call a, a futurist. Uh, he's, a, he's read about a thousand books that are important to understanding history in order to read the present times and what does that mean to the future, uh, thinking way beyond certainly my experience. And, and in listening to him, it, he's, he, he delivers things like, hey, there's really good news. And, and the majority of countries in the world more people in every country are coming to faith in Christ than are born. So faith is, conversion to Christ is, is outpacing. Coming to Christ is outpacing the birth rate, which is really fascinating across uh, all but maybe 20 nations in the whole world. In the U.S., it's about even. 100 born, 100 come to faith in Christ. The good news, rough news. And, and here's kind of how he said, let me just give you some bad news. I'm going to do kind of a quote from him. America's in the midst of a collapse as the sole superpower. We are the superpower that keeps the peace so the world can thrive. There have been 26 superpowers in the last 5,000 years. And if you read the history and, and, and kind of do, you, you see the collapse and how it's happened. And he believes America's on its way to collapse. Hang on. Given our decay of morality, collapsing from the inside out. And the only hope, of course, is a revival, a move of Jesus Christ across our country. So we need to keep praying. We need to keep building the church. Not hopeless, but it feels sobering. And if I have time next week, I'm going to pick up on a little bit of this because he talks about superpowers in the world and the global history and 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 how what happens when there's one superpower unipolar and what happens when there's a bipolar two two superpowers facing off and. That's bipolar in that context, and or if there's multiple superpowers, and and how, what's going on in the, the Ukraine and the world, and it, it, it's a fascinating conversation. So you want to be here in the future weeks, but when I listened, I'll be just be honest with you. When I listened to his talks, and this is just this is just me and you, okay? Just just us, just having a little cup of coffee, which I don't drink. As I've listened to several of his talks, I've had flashes of fear. Has anybody, have you ever had a flash of fear? Like you watch things going on in the world and you ever had a flash of fear? Oh, you're going to make me be the only one who owns this. You're going to leave me all on my son. You're like, I'll barely admit that. Anybody ever have a flash of fear or discouragement or worry or concern over, over where are we headed? I, I have. I'm not going to talk about it publicly on a Sunday morning. I'm not going to admit to it. But uncertainty does that. You know what? What about 
I care for my kids. I care for my grandkids. I care for my family. I care for the church. I care for people. I care for our world. I care for our country. And here's what's interesting. God spoke into that through generations. He spoke into that for the, the greatest of leaders and then to the seeming uh, uh, least of people. And all through scripture, it's, it's not a mistake that you happen to see God say repeatedly, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Say it with me. What? Do not be afraid. Like he would speak like great leaders and kings and Moses and like he, he said it to Abraham and Sarah, don't be afraid. He said to Moses, don't be afraid. He would speak into David's life. Don't be afraid. He would speak into Joshua when he took over from Moses. Now, don't be afraid. Jesus said it to all of his disciples and all of us as followers. Now, listen, don't be afraid. The world, Matthew chapter 6, the world, the pagans, the unbelievers, they chase everything as if it all depends on them. But you have a heavenly father who's a protector and a provider. You got to know that about God. You have a heavenly father who's a protector and a provider. And many things are already set and they're certain. You can trust him. So Jesus is telling us, live, live like you know that God has sovereignly spoken and that his word is certain. So you have Abraham and Sarah who said, well, God, you said we would have a child, and they didn't, and it was impossible. And 25 years later, God's failed them. But then he takes the impossible, and he makes something possible, and Sarah at the age of 90, and Abraham at the age of 100 have a child, which, by the way, I don't think is particularly awesome, but I understand it's biblical content. But I'm like, really? Do that when I'm young. Anyhow, that's just a whole nother, it's not in the notes. Moses. In Israel, they're backed up by Pharaoh in Egypt into the Red Sea. And it's like, oh, this is going bad. He was going to rescue us. And, and God said, don't be afraid. And then he takes the impossible. There's no hope. And he parts the Red Sea. That's who God is. So know that when, you, when God says some things are certain and you say, I don't see how that's possible, God makes impossible things possible. When David is facing Goliath and he's roughly 17 years old and Goliath has never been defeated and he's, he's just laughing at and humiliating David like he's a dog. And, and then God uses David with a sling and a stone and he drops Goliath. He makes the impossible possible. When Jesus dies on the cross and all the disciples are discouraged and like, this is over. This isn't going anywhere. Now we're, we're, it's all uncertain. We don't know how this plays out. And then God makes the impossible possible. And Jesus rises from the dead, covers our sin debt, and tells all of us, I've conquered sin and death. That is no longer a threat for you. Death is no longer a finish line. It's a start line. This is God. He makes the impossible possible. That's who he is. That's what he does. Look at the scripture in Matthew, just reminding us who Jesus is. With man, this is impossible. The subs are asking, how can anybody really ever make it into the kingdom of God, particularly those with, with certain blessings? And he says, but with God, all things are possible. This is what God does. So I was at prayer time yesterday, and I, I, message was already you know, written and, and all that. And we, we pray on Saturday morning, and I had a moment. I don't know that I should even, I don't know that I need to bring it to you, but I'm going to anyway. Uh, I had a moment in the prayer time. It's something I hadn't even thought about. I, I, it's, I don't know, it's so long. Kind of a flashback to college. And in my college season, um, yeah, parents who are high school dropouts, some of you, you've heard this before. The poor, 
divorce, broken family. It wasn't all that common back in the day. So when I'm in college, I'm, I'm working a couple of jobs. I, I worked all summer. I worked Hardee's at 4 a.m. I was the biscuit boy at Hardee's um, from 4 a.m. to 8 a.m. And then I would uh, go work construction from 8, 8.30 to, to 5, 5.30 and, and, and all that to help pay for college. And I worked a job at college 20 hours a a, a week, and, and I, I, I still couldn't afford college, and I'm trying to get a, a, a loan, and I, well, our family doesn't qualify. I don't qualify, and I'm going to have to drop out of college. I mean, it was just, I just live with so much angst and stress, and all this to be a pastor, and I'm like, God, how are you helpful? And then there's this guy, I'll call him Steve. He was a friend, and he was a, a wonderful guy, a nice guy, and incredibly annoying. He didn't mean to be annoying, but his dad uh, was well-to-do. His dad owned a construction company, and Steve had all of his college prepaid. He showed up at college. His dad already wrote the check. And I just remember, what would it be like to be Steve? Are you kidding me? Could you imagine that? A, God that, a dad that protects and provides like that? And Steve had a like 6970 Camaro Z28. Mint. I mean, black on black. Gorgeous. You know, the right muscle car stance and Craggers and the earth shift. And I'm like, God has just, just, God has said, I know it's all, it's all holy. Those are going to be in heaven, by the way. For those of you who aren't clear, you don't like muscle cars. You ain't going to like heaven. Anyhow, that's later in Revelation. But anyhow, you know what God brought to my mind yesterday? Sorry. He said, while we were praying, he said, do you remember Steve? I, I, he said, you, you never understood in those days because I was as much a father to you as a protector and provider in those days as Steve's dad was to him. But you couldn't see it. And because you couldn't see it, you couldn't live without fear and anxiety and angst. It's been 40 years. Have I not done all and more that I said I would do. You never had to live with the fear, the anxiety, and the angst that you carry. You could have just trusted that I'm the Father who, when I speak, it is certain. Huh. I wonder how often we're living with a level of, of angst we don't need to live with. See, when he tells us it's certain that he's coming back, you say, hang on, don't bad things happen? Oh, yes. Oh, yes, hang on. No bad things happen? Oh, no, my roommate and his fiance died. My mom's died of cancer. My brother died in a motorcycle accident. But then God says, okay, yes. But then what happens after you die? What do I do? I raise you to new life. Yeah. I mean, this is the God that we serve. So even if it all like, oh, I don't see how this is, how this is going to come together. Okay. Now, when you all get all done, you figure it out. This is why the Thessalonians, first Thessalonians ends with the scripture. Therefore, encourage. Therefore, what? Therefore, what? One more time. Therefore, what? Encourage each other with these words. In other words, we should be talking about the stuff I'm talking about right now. We should be telling each other, hey, listen, God's in the midst of uncertain times. God's already made something certain. Chill. And, and wait, but what if it all falls apart and I die? Good news. You get to go to heaven. Encourage each other with the certainty of God in uncertain times. So live fearless 
I don't even know I'm good at this, but live fearless in uncertain times. Then live forward for certain things. Live forward for certain things. How do you do that? I'm, I'm going to talk about that in the next couple of weeks, more when we get into tribulation, more when we get into the great white throne and heaven. And but I have a word from the Lord, I think, for each generation. And so kind of different than how I would wrap a teaching, but I'm going to do this. And here's the three generations. I, I, I want to honor uh, a prompt from the Lord. So 50 and over. 30s and 40s, 29 and under. I want to talk to three groups. I have two of those in each of my family. Marsh and I are in the top group. Josh and Julissa are in the middle group. Jake and Jaden are, are in the last 29 and under. And so let, let me say something to the 50 and over. Stand firm. Just write this down. And you need the whole thought. Stand firm in your calling. Let me just, 50 and over, stand firm in your calling. If you want to read the times, and what do you do in the season of life? I think the Spirit of God would just say, stand firm in your calling. You have, we have a call of God upon our lives. Stand firm in your calling. Don't sideline yourself. I love uh, the book of Daniel and the fact that, you know, how old was Daniel in the lion's den? They always paint him as some like 23-year-old. He was 80, okay? So just so you know, the lion's mouths were shut when he was 80. Do not act like you're all done for the kingdom when you get to this stage of life. Don't bench yourself when God is going to leverage you and use you. Don't get confused. Stand firm in your calling. There's more for us to do. We have to finish our calling in this church. Church. We've been a part of building this church. Yes, there's going to be succession on August the 6th. It is for the sake of the next generation, but do not kid yourself. God has work for us to do. We are as needed as ever. We have a critical role in all this. We'll talk about it at the party on August the 6th, that night that is just for the old people, and it's going to be awesome on August 6th. Sign up if you haven't. Second group, 30s and 40s, step up. Step up to leading spiritually. Get the whole thought. Step up to leading spiritually. The succession that is coming when Jason Berry becomes senior pastor on August the 6th, we believe is a God-ordained invitation for our church. But that day when Jason becomes lead, it is not merely me, Kevin, transferring leadership to Jason. It is leadership to the whole generation of you who are 30s and 40s. Step up to leading spiritually. God has a call on your life. It is like a generation to say to the generation before, here are the things that we blame you for that we don't like. And there is a risk of pretending that you're always the generation who's not responsible for what happens next. I remember my dad, I say my dad gave me asthma and I prayed all my kids not have asthma and then most of them got asthma and I blame my dad. Do you know who they blamed? Me. I thought, well, that's surprising. Listen, 30s and 40s, how you're leading right now 
Your kids are responding to you. Whatever's right, wrong, good, or bad is not the generation ahead of you. It's you. Step up and spiritually lead. You are at the center of leading family. As the family goes, so goes a nation, so goes the kingdom. I think the Lord is saying, step up to spiritually lead. Next, 29 and under, stand up, stand up for Jesus. You are being bullied by a culture that is telling you to bow down to culture. And I think a word from the Lord is be Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. At a time when the culture was telling them to bow down, they said, King, we're not going to do that. He said, well, I'll throw you in the fiery furnace. They said, that's okay. Listen, God could save us from the fiery furnace, but if he doesn't, we still won't bow down because you're not the capital K king. You're just a little K king and we serve the big K king. Do not be bullied by the culture. Stand up for Jesus. The way God is going to rescue your generation is through you. So stand up. See, if we know the end times, we know how to live in the present times. I don't know what God will stir in you by me encouraging you to those things. What I know is this. Times are uncertain and God is certain. Live like you know God is certain. Amen? Amen. That's the end of the teaching. Usually I pray or hand it to the pastors. But I want to do something a little different. I want to invite you into a moment of offering. And I'll tell you why. I was marked again just in this thought. If we really believe in the kingdom and we really follow Christ, then we don't live like pirates. We are anti-pirates. We don't live, take what you can and give nothing back. We're actually the opposite. We're, we're God gives and we give back, right? I mean, in that, that, like, like that's completely different. And every couple of weeks we receive an offering and I know that it can just be like, oh my gosh, we just, is kind of a habit. Don't, don't let it be a habit. Not, not like a habit of, of like, oh, I'm in a rut. Let it be a habit of heart. So when we receive the God first offering today, man, if you're not followers of Christ and you think God wants your money, just don't give, just chill. It's, it's, it's not for you. If all you have is your money, keep it. Live pirate. I, I, it only makes sense if there is no God. But if you're a follower of Christ, this is a meaningful moment. Marsh and I, we give online for us, easiest, best way to give. So when a basket passed, we're not putting anything in. We already have, but we take a moment and say, thank you, God, for all you've done for me. And we give beyond. And I want to play a video during this offering. It's partly why I'm taking this moment and they're letting me. Streetwise is a ministry in Gwinnett and really influences beyond. They cares for people who are food insecure. I mean, they give food at a generous level, like 1.6 million pounds of food they gave away last year. It's profound. But then they have a prayer ministry and a counseling ministry and a support ministry, and they get inside families and they help people. They've they served over 30,000 families this last year. Well, they are partners of 12 Stone, and we don't often describe all of the partners and all that we get to do in the community together and what we do as a church. And you may not know this, but the first 10% of every offering we give away as a church. So whatever 
offering comes in, first 10% we give away. God asked us to do that about 18 years ago. It destabilized me, but okay, we adjusted. We'll honor that. And one of those partners that we give, you just gave $100,000 to Streetwise to help care for people, feed people, and care for people in this territory. Isn't that a beautiful thing of what we get to do? That's the anti-pirate. I want you to hear Brenda's story that they shared at their gala. And I just want you to enjoy the story. It's three minutes. It's worth it. The offering will be received. Pastors will pray over you and close the experience. But what a moment that we get to be a part of what God is doing in the kingdom. Because in a world of uncertainty, we have a father who provides and protects. In a world of uncertainty, we have things that are certain. So ushers across all the campuses, go ahead and come forward. Receive the offering. You have a moment and say, God, thank you for all your good. And enjoy the power of this story. Well, believe it or not, I moved here and brought me a home just to be down here close to my children and grandchildren. But life takes a turn. I had a stroke, first of all. While I was in the hospital, they found out that I had two tumors in my back. I was going to my church, 12 Stone. A friend, I was telling her about my situation, and she told me about Streetwise. They gave me the food that I needed, and I went to the market, and I got everything I needed for my household. But every time I came, you know, I got the counseling. I got the loving that, you know, that everyone would give you. They was truly blessing me. And if it was anything they found out, or they thought that I might need when I was telling, the, you know, the counselors about my surgeries and things, they is. Is there anything Streetwise can do? And whatever it was that I said I needed, Streetwise was there for me. Well, B, we're gonna read a little Bible today. Came to Streetwise, believe it or not, for about five years. And then I told the Lord, I said, Lord, if you would just let me get up from my sickness and heal me, I would like a volunteer over Streetwise. So after that, March 20th, 22. Hey, I was a volunteer for Streetwise. I've been here over a year now. Okay, guys, are we ready? Here I go. I am the person they first see. Now, can I pray for you, Mr. Johnson? So I have to have sort of like a good morning, a smile. And so when they come, the faces you see are sometimes humbling. Father, lift them up when it's time. And so you just have to sort of lift them up. They don't realize that Streetwise is going to give them all the detergents, all the medicines. They're not going to understand that Streetwise is going to give them about $700 worth of food for six weeks. You know, they've even got clothes, we got shoes, we've got anything they need. They're a whole new, different person. Once they come, they may be unhappy, but when they leave and come back, they know we're here for them. And, and when I went out there today to hear this one client tell me, hey, Miss Brenda, Lord answered the prayer. My son got into the school we prayed for. He got his disability check. I mean, it's just when you hear all that come back, you know the Lord is answering prayer. And they know that they're being blessed through all the volunteers of Streetwide. So that's the awesome part about it. That's what I love about it. So it's a blessing. So if you have any type of donation, please donate to Streetwise. They are a God-given, God-blessed place. And that's why I'll be here.
Thank you again for spending time with us today. A special thanks to those of you who generously give through 12 Stone. It is because of you that this ministry is possible. And if you want to learn more about 12 Stone, make sure you follow us on social at 12 Stone Church and check out a location or a watch party near you. And if you enjoyed the podcast, you could subscribe, share it with your friends, hit the share button, or even take a screenshot and throw it in your social stories. And make sure to tag 12 Stone Church. Let it be a blessing to somebody else. Thank you again, and we'll catch you on the next one.